because we, we don't just bring our work to work. We bring our whole body to work. And um, we bring our family issues to work. We bring, we bring the things we dealt with with a child as a child that we still haven't dealt with. Um, you know, all that stuff comes to work. And, um, and so, again, if I keep my eyes open, there's a world of, of ministry. Uh, the, the fields are ripe. Well, welcome to Integrate Faith and Innovate. This is season two, episode two with um, host myself, Dr. Hannah Stoles and F.T. Chong. I'm the director of the Wheaton Center for Faith and Innovation and professor of marketing and supply chain management here at Wheaton College. And I'm here today with my co-host, F.T. Chong, who's the head of private capital at Pinebridge Investments. This podcast is the conversation for the integration of faith with practical tips for faithful decision-making in everyday business. So welcome to episode two. We're delighted to have um, Douglas Shackelford, um, the Dean of the UNC, let me get it right, the Kenan Flagler um, Business School, College of Business with us today. And we're gonna talk today with Doug about how leading as a Christian in business can enable influence beyond just making money to fund the kingdom. And sometimes we think about that, like I'm gonna go into business, I'm gonna make loads of money so that I can support the work of the kingdom. And so um, this is a conversation we're excited to have with Doug today. Doug um, is the Dean of the University of North Carolina's Kenan Flagler Business School. He's been the Dean since 2014 and a faculty member since 1990. A native North Carolinian, Doug is the Mead H. Willis Distinguished Professor of Taxation and he served as the school's senior associate dean, associate dean for the Masters of Accounting program, was its founding associate dean for the MBA at UNC, created the UNC Tax Center, and is a research associate at the National Bureau of Economic Research and an international research fellow at the Oxford University Center for Business Taxation. His research and teaching addresses taxes and business strategy, and he has published widely in accounting, economics, finance, and law journals, and testified several times before Congress and other policymaking bodies. He has also held visiting professorships at Stanford, Oxford, and the Université Maastricht. Is that right? <laughs> My German's a little rusty. Um, so Professor Shackelford has two degrees in business administration, a PhD from the University of Michigan, and a BS from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. He and his wife, Anne, have four children and two grandchildren, and he serves as an elder at the Chapel Hill Bible Church. So our conversation today, as I said, is going to be about um, really engaging and discipling rising stars in business who are going to be leaders of the future and finding ways to encourage them um, beyond just making loads of money to support their, their churches. And um, in the conversation as FT and I have developed this podcast, we've had a lot of conversation around um, what does this look like? to really engage our faith in business and in business strategy. And it's not just about our skills and our intellectual um, quotient, our IQ. Um, it's not just about our EQ and how balanced we are, but FT, would you talk a little bit about our SQ and our spiritual quotient as we move into conversation with Doug? Yeah, uh, welcome Doug, uh, good to have you. And I'm here also because I am a parent of a junior, um, at Wheaton College. Um, we, we started this conversation more than a year ago 
uh, saying, what can we bring to people uh, who are in business, who are working in professions, not necessarily business, but working outside of the church? And uh, what are they missing? Uh, sometimes it feels like we are the only Christian <laughs> on the whole floor, in the whole building. Uh, and if you, if you live and work in Manhattan, at one time it felt like you were the only Christian in, on the island. Uh, it's changed. Um, and so the concept of SQ is, I think all of us do bring our worldview uh, into the workplace, uh, but having a, a mature spiritual worldview uh, helps you become a leader, become a better colleague and employee. So um, I, I'm, uh, Hannah, I'm gonna flash this uh, picture okay. once more. <laughs> um, and so, I'm sharing this, which is the third leg of what makes a, a leader, but actually a good colleague, a good worker, a good professional. Uh, not just the IQ and EQ, uh, but also a spiritual quotient, which is what you bring to the table in terms of spiritual maturity is a combination of strength, uh, resilience, uh, but also accountability, uh, measuring yourself with a, a absolute moral standard and also joy. So the thing we sometimes forget as Christians is to bring joy to the table, but it's all of those things just enabled by the gospel. So um, we hunt around uh, the work world to find people who are uh, known to be Christians and Christians who are uh, senior in their workplace uh, to be inspiring to younger people and also to just you know, gain some wisdom for ourselves. So with that, uh, Doug, welcome. Thank you. It's, um, it's a privilege to be here. Um, I'm, I'm very impressed with what uh, you guys are doing here with the Center for Faith and Innovation. It's, it's very consistent with things I have been thinking about for a long time. So uh, I'm, I'm honored, to be, uh, honored to be part of this. Yeah. So Hannah, you want to take it away? Yeah, yeah, thank you, Doug. We're so glad to have you as well. And could you tell us about uh, your journey in recognizing the opportunities for, for influence in business beyond financial goals? You have obviously a, a history and thinking about finance and strategy. Um, what shifted your thinking about, um, I think that the quote that I'll directly quote from you is that anybody not in traditional full-time ministry is on the B team at the church. And how did it shift from you? Yeah, I, you know, I... Um... I had a very bad uh, understanding of the gospel, I really think, uh, for a long time. Um, so I, when I was a college student and uh, for a while after that, I was really looking for God to call me into full-time Christian ministry. Um, and I kind of viewed that as being on the varsity. Um, and, um, and the call didn't ever seem to come. Uh, so I didn't make the varsity. I didn't even make the JV. Uh, I didn't, I didn't get, a, I, I wasn't in the band. I wasn't a cheerleader. Um, I, I really felt like, you know, God didn't really have a job for me other than maybe sit in the stands, uh, cheer for the players on the field. Um, and, uh, and, and maybe I could get a good job and I could put money in the plate. Um, and, and, and I don't think I just dreamed that up. I got a lot of reinforcement from the church on that. You know, they would bring up missionaries in front of the church and, and everybody would pray for the missionaries and, 
and applaud them. And then they bring up these people who were going to go off to seminary or had come back from seminary and everybody was positive, but nobody ever brought up just a regular person and said, oh, hey, look, Joe works at the factory or, you know, Mary, uh, look, she's a beautician. Isn't that wonderful? You know, no one ever prayed for those people. And so my understanding was uh, there was sort of a secular sacred divide. I obviously didn't make the A team, I was on the B team. Uh, you know, at best, I was on the B team. Maybe I was on the C or the D team. Um, so I, it, this was very difficult for me to, to sort of grasp for, for really too long. And I didn't have anyone who was sort of helping me understand that. Um, over time, though, I really came to understand that uh, we're all on the A team. Uh, we're all players, nobody sitting in the stands that really God had called me to frontline ministry. He just hadn't called me to frontline ministry in the way that I had thought it was done. And so now um, I'm very thankful that God used my skills, used my gifts, used my talents where he used them because that's exactly was part of his plan from the beginning. Yeah, thank you. I think um, all of us have kind of felt that in, you know, different ways and kind of processing like, well, where's, where's the calling for the ministry? Where's the calling for the kingdom of God? And, um, and the, and the gospel calls us, you know, for life in this life, right in this world and not just for heaven. Um, and I, I think it was interesting. I'm going to jump ahead a couple, a couple of, of questions here. And um, thinking about, you know, you mentioned early in your career that you had students coming to you and asking for advice as they think about these, they wrestle with the same kinds of things. You know, I'm gonna go out and make loads of money. It just doesn't seem like enough in terms of just filling the plate. And what were some of the questions they came to you with? And um, what were some of the revelations or insights maybe that you've had over the years that you've seen really have an impact on, on students and um, as they go into business? Well, one of the things I discovered once I became a professor was I wasn't the only person dealing with this. And I was a professor at a business school and here's great, incredible students who are just coming through with the very same questions I've got, doing the very same things I'm doing, wondering, you know, well, what is a Christian doing in a business school? Mm -hmm. um, and one day they're going to be, what is a Christian doing in the business world? Because who is my role model? Um, how am I supposed to be? I'm almost like a misfit. And uh, I remember I had a, an actual pastor who said something and it was just life changing for me. He said, we don't need more past Christian pastors. What we need is a Christian insurance salesman. Mm -hmm. And I just remember being floored because I had never thought of it that way. And suddenly, you know, I began saying those things to my students. I said, just imagine if you were a godly person on Wall Street. Just imagine if you're a godly person in Silicon Valley. Just imagine if you took, and, and suddenly I could begin to see that um, we're, you could be a missionary in the business world just as much as you could be a missionary anywhere on the planet because, because business or whatever field you might go in would provide you an opportunity to go to places no one else could go. Because if you were a, a, a godly person if, and, and the Lord opened up a path for you into whatever industry it might be, you can go places that only people who have those credentials have that particular expertise, they can go. And so God, you know, you're just being commissioned from on high to, to travel in those paths. And when, when that penny began to drop, I began to see that 
it was suddenly like, no, don't think of yourself as a misfit. Think of yourself as being, you're an ambassador sent from on high. And, and so, you know, thank the Lord that he has called you and he's called you with this particular giftedness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, I'm sure it's very inspiring for, for the students. Do, does the school, or in general, uh, does the school kind of think of you as a Christian? Uh, I know they think of you as their leader. Uh, to what extent can you talk about it, uh, you know, incorporate it in anything that you do? Of course, with all of us, we have to do it with some some sensitivity and care, and not not to be um, too insensitive about how we do these things. You know, FT, I uh, my wife, I think, is a a born evangelist, and I've watched her just do amazing things that I would be totally clumsy at doing, but somehow the fact that I'm a believer has just become known and I never think I ever told anyone. I think God's just been very gracious. I do have a story that um, uh, happened my very first year I was here, first semester I was actually on the faculty. There were a couple of students in my class and um, they happened to be at the same church I was at. And they came up after service one day and introduced themselves. I recognized them because they sat right in the front row and they said, would you come speak to our Bible study? And I said, sure. Um, so they told me what date and what room they were going to have it in. They said it was a Bible study for the business school. So I'm brand new, you know. I'm I, I'm uh, an assistant professor, you know, which basically means you're just hanging around waiting to get fired. And uh, so um, the next day, I showed up in school, and they had plastered my picture all over the ball, every wall. And it said Professor Shackford speaking in his Bible study. So I had barely walked in the building. No one knew who I was, but suddenly everyone could not help knowing that I was speaking in this Bible study. The, the young women um, didn't tell me that the Bible study com was comprised of the two of them. And so when I showed up, it was just the two of them. They were using me as bait, but I wasn't very good bait. <laughs> what they did do was take away any, um, any ability for me to hide. And so down through the years, uh, I've never had a shortage of students. Um, our Christian clubs within the school always come and ask me. And so it's just, I think the words just roll down. And I'm fortunate we have a lot of other Christian faculty, even though it's a secular university we have here. And we have faculty across the school, I mean, across the campus. I think one of the things we believers who are in the workforce and places, we can we can believe the lie that we're the only one. Uh, you know, Elijah once thought he was the only prophet left. Um, we can believe we're the only believer, but God has put, God has put people to be supporters and to have fellowship everywhere for us. And that's been a great blessing for me. Yeah. Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. No, go uh, ahead. Yeah, so thinking, thinking back, I want to kind of jump off of your early career experiences and, you know, thinking as a, as a junior and associate professor, you were outed um, <laughs> as a Christian early on. And um, I like to think a little bit about what, what FT talked about in terms of the spiritual quotient and how faith has guided 
your own journey. I mean, you know, from visiting professorships at Stanford and Oxford and getting to speak in, you know, really high places, um, you know, in our, our culture and our, our world as Americans. And what is the role that faith has played as, as you've shaped your career? We've talked to a lot of CEOs and, you know, like FT said earlier, um, leaders of businesses, and you're a leader of a, a business school developing the next leaders in business. Um, so what's the role of faith, you know, along, along your journey, along your path? You know, I think one of the things is um, I just deeply believe that nothing happens by chance. And I also deeply believe that God has put me here for a reason. Um, and so I just, I, 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 I believe that wherever I go, whatever I'm doing there, the, the Lord has preordained that. Um, and so he's, he's come before me and set a, a setting. He won't put me in a situation where he'll leave me alone. He, you know, he won't abandon me. And so I just walk in that confidence. Um, in many of those settings, he's put me in, he sent me there because of my expertise in a particular area, a domain. But um, my job is simply to be obedient to the Holy Spirit as, as would all of us, sometimes I am and sometimes I'm not, but if I'm just obedient to the Holy Spirit, he will, he will provide the opportunities for whatever he tends to want to do. Um, the, you know, I oftentimes, um, I, I try to think always about the, the verse in Esther about, um, uh, you know, Esther was, a, Esther was a woman you could not have anticipated to be in the position she was in. But she finds herself in a position, and and she's she's uh, she's confronted one day with, you know, perhaps the, this the reason you're here, is to prevent genocide. Well, I'm not I'm not a Cinderella type such as Esther, and I've not ever confronted with genocide, but I I, I think that is a good way to just think about life in general. You know, it's it's perhaps the most important thing I'm ever going to do is what I'm. I woke up this morning to do, and that's just because the Holy Spirit has set a path to prepare for this particular moment, and and that's the way I kind of take things. Now, I have found during COVID that really, right now, I'm just a pastor to about 4,000 students, faculty, and staff, because this is a dreadful period we're going through, and so perhaps my perhaps I should have always been focused more on being a pastor more than any other thing. But right now, my eyes have really been open to the fact that there is so much hurt, there's so much difficulty as we've been separated, that what our people need, at least in our school, is a pastor more than anything else. And so, in some sense, I may have come full circle. I, I didn't sit out, you know, I didn't think God opened a door for me to be in full-time Christian ministry, but right now, <laughs> I feel like I am in full-time Christian ministry as yeah. a pastor of a very, very large uh, organization. It's not a church, but it has some of the characteristics of that. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's good to have that perspective because um, I think in a situation like this, not just the students, but the professors are also going through a lot of personal hardship, right? Uh, it's very difficult to sit in a room. Um, you seem to be in an office, but a lot of people are just in their rooms and not being able to do that much every single day. And it uh, having someone at the top giving some perspective and saying, okay, it's going to be okay, uh, really helps. Um, 
and it might spark curiosity as to why why is he uh, maybe uh, able to have a different perspective, a more yeah. positive perspective. Yeah, yeah. Now, do you get a chance to mentor specific professors or students or staff members? Is there any one-on-one -on -one opportunity? Yeah, there's definitely some of those. Um, again, I, I, um, in my particular role, sort of sitting in the corner office, it's difficult for me to reach out because I'm, I'm, it's almost threatening. <laughs> you know, when the, when the guy in the corner office walks into your office, I know people immediately are on guard. <laughs> my pressure goes up. <laughs> that's right. They can't help that and I can't help that. You know, I, will, I walk down the hall and conversations die. And then as, <laughs> as I move away, I hear them pick back up. I, I understand that. I understand that. But I try to keep the door open or in, now I try to keep the Zoom screen open. And I have a lot of people who come and just say, you know, can we talk? And, um, and I like to think that those conversations can range wherever. They may be just solely professional, but lots of times they roll into a lot more things because we, we don't just bring our work to work. We bring our whole body to work. And um, we bring our family issues to work. We bring, we bring the things we dealt with with a child as a child that we still haven't dealt with. Um, you know, all that stuff comes to work. And, um, and so, again, if I keep my eyes open, there's a world of, of ministry. Uh, the, the fields are ripe. Yeah. Do you have um, uh, any courses in ethics, morals, ESG nowadays? Yeah. Um, are they required? Are students required to take something that talks about making right and wrong decisions? We we do have we have all those courses. Um, you know, do they have a Christian basis? Not necessarily, because oftentimes what they're asking you to do is to determine for yourself what is right and wrong. And so it, I would call it more uh, situational ethics. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we, we, we definitely have those things. I find that today's students ask far more important, deeper questions than students of earlier generations did. They actually push our faculty in uncomfortable conversations, whereas there were earlier generations, particularly I think in business schools, who were sort of like, you know, tell me what I need to know to go out and make money. It's now vocational, students, yeah. Yeah. That's right. And now, yeah. now students are much more asking questions, which go to a point of uh, it's, you know, my parents made money, my grandparents made money, and, and none of them ended up happy. Mm -hmm. Tell, so I, I understand I can make money, but there must be more to life than making money. Yeah, it's also a generation uh, who are <clears throat> probably grew up not going to church or synagogue or temple or anything. Yes. I think the the agnostic atheist tide is fully in full swing for the students who are in their early twenties now or late late teens, early twenties. That they don't really have anything much of a spiritual, maybe ceremonial. You go to church for Christmas and Easter, but beyond that, really no depth, no worldview that touches daily life, right? No, no spiritual worldview. So right. there's a need and they look for it. And which is why actually, 
ESG and all this green uh, impact investing audits are really popular among the young people in, in the investment world. I just had a young, one of my young guys come up to me and said, why don't we do an ESG impact fund? I would really be motivated. <laughs> and that's because that's, you know, they're looking for meaning in for their existence as well, right? And right. you don't have a gospel, you gotta pin it elsewhere. I see the same thing on our side of where students are willing to go work. Um, there's a lot of companies that if they wouldn't fall into ESG category, they won't take a job from them. Whereas in the past, the students were much less um, demanding really of uh, recruiters. It was like, I want a good job and uh, I'll worry about those issues later. Now they're asking lots of questions and companies are very baffled. They're baffled about why can't we recruit some of your good students? And I try to explain it to them and it's, it's difficult for them to hear that they are viewed as, as bad players, if you will. Yeah, yeah. It's a spiritual hunger. It is, absolutely, absolutely. I wonder on the on the spiritual hunger front and thinking about the rising business leaders that are Christian that yeah. do have the, the Sunday morning practices and are looking for ways to integrate. Um, could you tell us a little bit about the Triangle Fellows and you know how you're investing locally in the Raleigh Durham area and the 25 to 40 year olds that are going to be, I think, as you said, running the running the companies in your area in soon. Um, and what are some of the challenges they seem to be facing and what are some of the ways that you're helping them to find, you know, or discipling them really, as they look to say, how can we serve God well in the area that they have influence? Yeah, this is an exciting program that I've, I've had the privilege to be a little part of. Um, some years ago, uh, and, and we, we adopted a lot of this from Tim Keller's work out of New York. Um, we began identifying uh, believers who were uh, young business people in, in the uh, Triangle area here in North Carolina. And um, they go through a year-long uh, program. Uh, it's got some uh, uh, theological readings. Uh, it's, it's, uh, there's a lot of work to it. Um, but another part of it is just having a cohort of people of similar uh, age, uh, similar drive. Um, and really saying to them, so you're gonna run this community. We're gonna run these, this region of North Carolina. It's a rapidly growing area. And, and how does your leadership uh, expertise and your Christian faith, how do they all work together? And, and I always say to that group, I'm, I'm very, very jealous because I wish a generation ago it had existed, I would have been the first one to sign up because as I mentioned earlier on, I, this was during the period of my life when I was trying to understand where did, where did my faith and my work fit together? I felt like there was a disconnect. Um, and, and so this group begins to think about, you know, where does Monday through Saturday fit with Sunday? Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I think um, groups like this, and I know we're not unique here in North Carolina, they're going on all across the country. Groups like this, I think, are going to transform our church because, and I'm, by this I mean church universal, because we're, we're not going to have this secular, sacred divide mindset, and we're going to be thinking about how do we as believers uh, take God's kingdom and, and, and bring it to all aspects of our, our world. 
Um, and so I look forward to this thing taking full root and, and the transformation it'll have over the next decades. Um, I think it's just terrific because the questions they're asking and the, the challenges that they're being uh, placed in front of them uh, are exactly the kind of things you need to wrestle with at the beginning of your career, <clears throat> as opposed to, okay, now I'm, I'm ready to retire, <clears throat> which is what I've seen too much of in my generation. Now, now I'm ready to retire, I have some money. And so what will I do with my life? Um, that's, that's not a good place to start. Yeah, it's giving, giving God a leftover. That's right, that's right. <laughs> we used to feed to the dog. Uh, exactly, exactly right. And, and you've missed so much of your, your in, that you've missed too much of integration of your faith and, and into your work for years and years. Yeah. Well, I think as we um, get ready to wrap up here, we're getting close to our time. Um, I'd like to think about one thing that we can take away and do tomorrow. And um, one of the things I, I heard, you know, throughout the, the things that you've said, and, and thank you for sharing insights and your experiences with us. Um, and Maybe, maybe because of being a professor and working with young students is that that need to not wait until the end to kind of undo the bad things that we did in the past, to figure out how to serve God at the end of a career, but really have that opportunity to be reflective early on as early as possible to say, how can I serve God today and, and really not have that sacred secular divide until later in life. So I really, I really love that. Um, it's something that I'm, I'm thinking about today and we'll be thinking about tomorrow, I'm sure in the work that we do. How about for UFT? What is um, something that you thought of in terms of takeaway and apply for tomorrow? <laughs> yeah, that actually happened yesterday and I thought I'd share it today. Mm -hmm. uh, leadership team was asked individually in public, what is your superpower? And I was like, oh no, I don't have any superpower. But then I, I did realize that, you know, every Christian and I hope students, uh, professors, whoever listens to this, um, we have a superpower, which is prayer. We have access to the creator of the universe. Uh, it's a super duper ultra superpower. So just want to, to share that, that uh, people remind themselves that they do have a superpower, which is access to the throne of God. Yeah, how about for you, Doug? Well, you know, I'm, I'm just very intrigued by uh, ST's uh, uh, three-legged stool there. Mm -hmm. um, uh, some time ago, I learned that there are a lot of people who excel on the, uh, the IQ. There's a far fewer people excel on EQ. And if you're looking for leaders, you better find people who've got, got both, um, mm -hmm. which is the even smaller group. But that EQ yeah. is absolutely critical. Um, I, I really appreciate you guys introducing me to SQ because uh, I think now we're even to a smaller group, but I, I can look my, myself with uh, some of my own leadership team and people who are doing uh, better during COVID than others. And I think they're the people who are more deeply grounded in what are in some sense the, um, the, the things that don't perish, um, the things that um, um, we can stand on solid ground and uh, so I'm going to I'm gonna spend some time thinking about that. And I look forward to you guys uh, uh, growing and embellishing that concept. I think that's a real advancement for leadership understanding. Yeah, yeah. we'll write a book about it one day. I look forward to reading that book. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, Doug, thank you so much again. And as we close, um, would you be willing to share, you know, is there a guiding um, scripture in your life that, you know, we could, we could learn from today as we walk away as well? I think, you know, thinking about things to do, but also grounding it or plumb line being scripture. Um, yeah. What would you say um, has really been a guide for you over the years? Well, you know, when I get asked that in this context, I always say to people that um, Joseph and Daniel are the two uh, Old Testament figures that I always point to if you're looking for business people in a, um, in a hostile environment. Um, and, um, but the, the verse is, is the one I mentioned earlier from Esther, is um, just that I think all of us um, should always ponder that it, it could be that um, you have risen to the position you have or whatever position you're in for this very moment. And um, uh, Esther obviously had a, an extraordinary life, but I think all of us live extraordinary lives. And our biggest problem really is we don't recognize that uh, we have that extraordinary life. That verse in Esther is uh, Esther 414. Um, and uh, of course, it's an incredible story. You should read the whole book, but uh, if you've only found for one verse, I'd, I'd recommend Esther 414. Well, Doug, as we close, um, you know, and, and thinking about today is today being the day that we were born for, maybe we were called for this time and this season, definitely for this lifetime because we're here. Um, could you just pray over, over us, over this conversation as we close today? I'd be delighted to. Dear Lord, um, you've given us everything. You've given us your son. You've given us life eternal. You care for us in, in every moment. Um, with you, there is no difference between sacred and secular. I thank you for uh, this program here and, and what um, uh, Hannah and FT are, are doing. I thank you for everyone who's listening to this podcast and uh, that they might realize that um, indeed uh, this, this moment um, you're with them and that you have prepared them for whatever um, their calling is, that their calling comes from uh, the throne of our Father and that uh, they are indeed prepared and filled with the Holy Spirit to carry out whatever he might have for them, that uh, none of us sit on the sidelines, but all of us are on the A-team and that we are key players in bringing about God's kingdom. And I thank you, Lord, that um, you've given us this time together and that you will provide for us everything. And I pray that you, a special blessing on people as they struggle during COVID, that um, you'll bring about a quick end to this virus and uh, that um, you will allow everyone to uh, soon be able to resume the fellowship and friendship that we desperately need. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us today, Doug, and we really appreciated your, um, your insights and hearing about your journey, and I'm excited to see what um, God has for us in integrating faith into the work he's called us to today and tomorrow, and um, so thank you again for being with us today. Thank, thank you. you, Doug. Thank you, and uh, it's on the website, on the Whedon website, and uh, uh, if you have People who might be interested, um, they're welcome to check out the previous eight episodes. <laughs> <laughs>
Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. <laughs> Bye-bye.